If you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Matthew chapter 28. Um, and if you don't, the scripture is printed in your bulletin on page 6. There's a place to take notes on page 7. We're going to start looking at Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Uh, and then we're going to look at some other verses as we unpack these four, these three verses. <clears throat> So this is Matthew 18, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Friends, listen, this is God's word. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. From beginning to end, Christianity is about a relationship. It's about a relationship with God. It's not a religion. It's about a relationship with God who has revealed himself in Jesus. And in our day, today, in 2013, this relationship begins before you were even born. Okay? Because by the time you take your first breath, Jesus has already done things for you. He has already lived a perfect life. The reason Christianity is still around today is because of what Jesus did. It's because God entered into our world. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we were created to live. And then he died for our sins those things that keep us from living that perfect life. And Jesus, in this relationship, he has been pursuing people ever since. He's been inviting people into a relationship with God. And he does this. He does this because Jesus' mission in the world is to show us what God is like and then to teach us how we can experience the abundant life that God has to offer. This abundant life of acceptance, of purpose, and influence. Like this is what Jesus wants for us. And it's why he pursues us, because he knows we get these things out of a relationship with God. And what we're looking at here, these are the last words that Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew. It's interesting because Jesus says, he claims total authority. Look at verse 18 again. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's a big deal. All authority, every ounce of authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Now, we get suspicious of power claims today. I mean, don't we? When someone wants power, when someone says they have power, we wonder how they're going to use it, right? We, we suspect, we get suspicious. Um, but in Jesus' case... It's different. It's different. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus actually earned this authority. Okay? He earned this authority. The reason why the authority was given to him is because of what he did. He has this authority because of his work. Okay? Authority in life, this is how it's supposed to be. Okay? All authority in life, it's supposed to be earned and earned by love. Okay, think about that. Proper authority is earned by love. 
I mean, you have authority. Think about this. The authority that you have in life over other people is yours because someone trusts you enough to follow you. Right? Or you trust someone enough to give them authority over others. I mean, this is how it's supposed to be. You earn people's trust and then you have authority to speak into their life, to, to maybe instruct them or to correct them. This is how it's supposed to be. Even in business, I would argue this is how it's supposed to be. Now, in business, love looks a little different, right? You don't think about love in the business world, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a stretch. It's just a different way to think about what you already believe love is, right? In business, love looks like doing a good job, right? For your company, for your boss, for your employees, love looks like doing a good job, doing the right things to serve others, to care for others. And in the best companies, right, you're talking about people who are faithful to accomplish the job that they're given, right? People who have integrity. These are expressions of love in the business world, Okay? And in the best companies, this is what people do to earn promotions, to earn authority. And so back to Jesus, Jesus earned the ultimate authority because he has done the ultimate work of salvation for us. Okay? Let me show you this tree we've looked at before. Right? The Bible says that our relationship with Jesus, it's like being planted in him. And all of his person, all of his work flows up into us. It fills us. It covers us. It works through us. Um, and uh, so let me blow this up because uh, uh, there's words here that are important. Our new self, who we are, the way God intends us to be, and the way God is healing and growing us to be comes to us through the work of Christ for us, in us, and through us. Okay? It's through our relationship with God, through our relationship and the work of Jesus for us, in us, and through us, that we become new people, okay? And so let me just reiterate what we've talked about before. Christ's work for you means that this is Christ living the perfect life, dying the death you should have died, right? He did this for you. You can't do this. You can't save yourselves, but he did. He does this for you, and so now you are forgiven and accepted because of Christ's work for you, right? But that's not all. Jesus also works in you, And in Christ's work in you, you're made new inside, right? So he takes out your old heart and he gives you a new heart, right? And then he puts his own spirit in you so that you have God's power and God's presence everywhere. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, Christ is with you. He is in you. And then what we've started to look at just last week is Christ's work through you. Christ's work through you. So as followers of Jesus, he calls us to share what we have received, okay? He has blessed us immeasurably, and now his blessings make us a blessing to others, okay? And that's the work of Christ through us. And that's what we're looking at this month, is Christ's work through us. It's how Jesus makes us a blessing to others. And so last week when we began this, we saw that Jesus' work through us looks like love, right? It looks like love for God, and love for our neighbor. But in this passage, in Matthew 28, this is, again, the final words of Jesus on earth. Right? Jesus is giving his people their mission. He's giving his people their mission. This is their job description uh, in, in, in one perspective. And we're going to look at that job description, but I want you to see what Jesus says at the end, that last phrase. He says, And behold, 
I am with you always to the end of the age. This is so important because as Jesus gives us our mission, he, he's, not, um, he's not like a boss. I don't know if you've ever had a boss like this. He's not a boss who tells you what to do and then just sort of says, see you later. Right? And you've got to figure it out for yourselves. No, no, no. Jesus is with you always. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus will work through us to bless others. Okay, and so we're going to look at these verses, and then we're going to talk about how to apply these verses to our lives. Okay, so first, uh-oh, shift that a little bit to the, to the right. First, what does the text say? We're going to talk about what does the text say, and then what does it mean? Jesus says really three things in this text. He says, first, go and make disciples, right? You see that in verse 19? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, so a disciple, this is someone who is committed to Jesus, someone who's committed to following Jesus. And so disciples are learners, first and foremost. So the desire to learn from Jesus and then to follow Jesus in terms of what you learn. And so if Jesus has all authority, then a disciple is someone who submits to Jesus' authority and who follows him. And so the idea of making disciples, okay, this is a command. This is going to Jesus' disciples. And he's basically saying, so look, you who are following me, I want you to help other people to follow me. Okay? Relatively simple. Right? And so what this means for you is that you want to think through what's the process that you went through to follow Jesus. Okay? And so whether you grew up in the church or whether you became a Christian later on in life, I want you to think through like the process that you went through where you became not just someone who goes to church, but when you became committed to following Jesus. Okay, like think through that in your own life. I mean, for most people, the process, you know, involves learning about Jesus, right? You have to understand what he said and what he's, what he's done, um, and then you get to know him. So at first you're kind of learning at a distance. And then you sort of spend time getting to know him. Um, Donald Miller um, is an author. He says he thinks about sharing his faith with people, like setting people up on blind dates with Jesus. And I mean, really what he means is that there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus well enough to even know whether they should commit to him or not. And they need to find out what he's like. You need to find out the kinds of things he said, how he interacts with people, what does it mean? What does a relationship with Jesus actually look like? Um, because as you get to know Jesus, you learn those things. And then there's a place where you put your trust in him. And you say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And so you want to think through that process in your own life because Jesus wants you to help others to go through that same process. Okay, that's what it means um, to make disciples. And Jesus actually expands on this with the next two phrases. Okay, he says, baptizing them in the name. Right, that's there in verse 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so baptism, the Bible says so much about baptism. You know, but at the core of everything that the Bible says, baptism is about identification. Okay, if you want a one-word summary of what the Bible teaches about the meaning of baptism, it's identification. That in the, in the ceremony of baptism, people are 
identifying with God. Okay? And so Jesus says baptism is the process. It's, it's when you identify not just with God in general, but you're identifying with the God who has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? And so this is why we baptize into the name of, we're making clear the God that you are identifying with. Okay? And so this is obviously part of being a disciple of Jesus. Right? You begin to learn from him, you begin to follow him, and so you're willing to identify with him. Okay? Sometimes that's easy, sometimes that's challenging. Baptism is a chance to just publicly declare, I am identifying with Jesus, or my children are going to grow up identified with Jesus. Now, what's amazing and what is glorious about the good news of Jesus is that when we identify with him, he also identifies with us. Jesus says in the Bible, he is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. Jesus is willing to say, these are my people. I'm with them. I love them. I'm committed to them. As committed as they are to me, I am all the more committed to them. And so in making disciples... Right? In making disciples, baptism means helping others know Jesus well enough to be willing and able to identify with him in baptism. Okay? And so, as you help other people to know Jesus, or if they already know him, um, you want them to identify with Jesus in baptism and then in general, like in their lives, just identify themselves as Christians. It's a growth process. Right? Some people, they commit to Jesus and they're just all in. Right? And they don't care who knows, they want everyone to know. And other people, it takes a while for them to be willing to identify with Jesus publicly, like in front of their friends or coworkers, even family members. And so that's a process of following Jesus, the process of making disciples. Okay, then the last thing Jesus says is teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Okay, so again, disciples are both learners and followers. Right? And so we teach people to follow Jesus. Um, we have to remember that Jesus is the one in authority, not us. And I just want to say again, for us in our day and age, this is really a hard pill to swallow. For a lot of people, they, it's difficult for people to submit to the authority of someone else. Right? It's hard to say, okay, yes, I'm committed and I'm going to follow no matter what. And again, I think the issue that we face, the struggle that we have more often than not is the issue of trust, right? How can you trust someone else enough to say, yeah, I'll follow you, right? Because where are they going to lead you? What are they going to say to you? How do you know? I mean, it's, it's why for so many people, um, it's why the marriage, it's one of the reasons the marriage age is getting older and older and older. It's because we have the same kind of fear, involved with committing in marriage. It's like, well, how do I know this person really, really well? Do I know this person well enough? Do I know enough about them? Right? I mean, this is the struggle, and, some, and people are they're just afraid to fully commit, and that's the same thing that happens with Jesus. And when Jesus says, yeah, teach them, teach disciples to observe everything that I've commanded you, you're like, 
Well, does that mean that I need to then share everything that Jesus commands before they're willing to commit? For some people, that, that's how it feels. That's how it will feel. You've got to answer all their questions. And um, it's interesting because I think what happens is people have all these questions and all these objections and all these things that sometimes come from inside of them, sometimes are things that they've heard other people say. And in the proper context of a relationship, you begin to address these questions. And the hope is not just that, that objections or concerns get addressed, but the hope is that in that process of conversation, someone is being introduced to the kind of person that Jesus is. Because when you understand the kind of person Jesus is, you get to a place where you can commit even if you don't have all the answers. Right? I mean, that's where faith comes in. But... I want to specifically address the issue of trusting Jesus because this is part of the good news. This Jesus who calls us to follow him, um, this Jesus who is instructing his followers to teach other people to follow him, right? He's not just a God who is detached from the world. Okay, he is the God who entered into the world. You have to remember that the one who now has all authority is the one who himself submitted to authority. He knows what it's like to have to follow. When you read John's gospel, you see it over and over again. Jesus says, I submit to the Father. I do the things the Father says. I only say what the Father has told me to say. And so Jesus knows what it's like to follow authority. But even more than that, He's not just a God who isn't detached from the world but entered into the world. Jesus is a God who cares so much about the world that he entered in and saved the world. Okay? And I'm trying to help you know. I want you to come face to face with Jesus today. More personally, Jesus doesn't just care for the world in general, but Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares so much about you that he entered into the world. If you were the only person who needed saving, Jesus still would come for you. And he gave everything. He gave everything. You can trust him because he cared enough to die. He cared enough to die. In all of human history, there has been only one person who has used all of his authority all of the authority that he has to serve. And that's Jesus. He didn't come to be served. He didn't come to be worshipped, although he deserved that. He didn't come to tell people what to do. He came to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. This is why you can trust him. It's because the one who calls you. The one who commands is the one who died. And as you follow him, what you learn, you can learn this before you follow him to some degree, but some of it's like the, 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 the it's in the pudding, the taste, the, the what? What's the phrase? It's in the pudding. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Thank you. Um, sometimes you have to actually trust and step out and obey him, and then you see the glory of obedience. 
Because Jesus, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't just give us a list of rules to find out who's willing to follow and who's not. Okay, it's not just like a, a checklist to see, are you really following me? Or are you really just wanting me to bless you in your life as you do whatever you want to do? No, no. And so it's not just a checklist, but, but you have to understand that Jesus came. He said, I have come that you would have abundant life. Jesus says, look, I understand how life is, how confusing it can be. There are so many things in life that are trying to tell you how to live. There's so many options out there. There's so many things the world tells you. There's so many things that your desires tell you. There's so many things the people around you tell you about what's going to make you happy. And he says, I came because I want to show you the way to really be happy forever. I want to give you a peace that will last in your life no matter what happens in your circumstances. I want to give you a purpose that no matter what works out for you in terms of your goals, your hopes, your dreams, this purpose can guide your life no matter what and give you eternal value to the things that you do every day. And he says, I want to call you to a level of significance where you will be working with and for God in your life. Jesus says, this kind of life brings real meaning, real purpose, significant satisfaction, hope, and joy. Like, this is the road. And so every time Jesus tells us anything, every command that Jesus gives us is a reflection of that heart, that heart of God. So God is not trying to beat us up. God is trying to lay before us a pathway that if we follow it, it will lead us to the greatest life we could possibly lead. That's what Jesus means when he says, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. This is important for us to remember. This is important for us to believe at our, at our core, at the core of our being. Um, for you as a follower of Jesus, because this is why we trust him. Because every time I have followed him in this way, my life doesn't always work out. Sometimes my life gets worse. Sometimes my suffering goes up. But my sense of joy, my sense of hope, my sense of peace, my sense of purpose and significance is never higher. You have to know this as a follower of Jesus, right? That Jesus meets you on the road of obedience and says, yes, yes, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. This is where I want you. Yes, I want you to see my purpose in your life. I want you to be on mission with me because it's so much better than anything else you could get on your own. And so he wants that for you and then you gotta have this in the core of your being not just as a belief but as a practice so that when you help other people follow Jesus, right? You can't get someone else to trust someone you don't trust, right? But when you trust and when you see and you can say, look, I get how hard this can be. I get how crazy this might sound or I get how just, this is difficult. But you know what? Here's been my experience. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Um, that's how you help other people. That's how you make disciples. That's how you teach them how to trust Jesus. So 
This is what Jesus is aiming for. Okay, this is what he's aiming for. Let's talk for a minute now about what does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us today? Really, it means two things. It means share and care. If you want to know what your part is in making disciples, um, you can sum it up in these two words, share and care. Okay? Because you're going to do this differently. And we're going to talk more about how different things are next month when we talk about gifts and talents and how God has wired us personally. Um, But for now, we're just going to talk about what we all have in common, sharing and caring. To share means that, uh, that you share with others, right? It means sharing not just about Jesus, although it includes sharing about Jesus, but this is sharing your life. This is sharing your life with other people. And so this is relationships. Okay, this is relationships. It means connecting with people. It means being close enough so that they know what's going on in your life. Right? It means sharing your time, sharing your energy with the people who are around you. Okay, and this means people at home, people at work, people in your neighborhood, people at church. Right? We're talking about sharing, talking about stuff that's important. Right? So that you're willing to open up your life. You're willing to talk to people about the things that are going on in you. Okay? Spiritual stuff, non-spiritual stuff, although I think everything is spiritual when you think about it in the right way. But it starts with sharing. It's being willing to share and to overlap your lives so that people can see in, so people can know what's going on inside of you. And this doesn't mean you have to be perfect, right? This means being honest about the stuff that's not perfect, right? None of us, right? Get to know us, right? None of us are perfect. You don't have to feel like you need to be perfect to share. In fact, sometimes some of the most powerful sharing is our weaknesses, our failures, our struggles. Because I can't tell you how many people will walk into church and not knowing anybody, they'll just assume that everybody that they don't know has everything put together. And so it's almost more important for us to share our weaknesses and our struggles. Because as we do that, we just open up opportunity to meet people where they really are. As we invite them to see where we really are. And so it starts with sharing And then caring. Um, This is another step. Okay? Sharing is sort of being open and letting people in. Caring is another step where you begin to find out about them. Okay? So sharing is sort of opening up. Caring, though, is finding out. Caring is saying to people, how are you doing? Um, and meaning it. Um, When you're talking about making disciples, it's asking them about their relationship with God. What's been their spiritual journey? Right? It's asking them, how are they doing with Jesus? What's going on? I mean, this is what discipleship is. I mean, it's as simple as sharing and caring. It's being willing to share, and then it's actually caring about other people. Right? Wanting to know how they're doing. Um, caring enough to want to help meet their needs. You know, and these things are kind of 
they're kind of interchangeable, right? You kind of go back and forth because the more you care about people and find out, the more that you might have to share with them about your experience, right? The more that you care for people, um, the more that, I mean, this is about, it's like about taking responsibility for someone else, right? Sharing is a great gift, and yet sometimes sharing can be sort of like I'm leaving you at arm's length. Like, yeah, I'll tell you where I'm at, but, you know, see you later. Right? Caring is like an embrace. Caring is saying, look, I really want to know what's going on. I really do care about what's going on. And so as we think about sharing and caring, I want to just show you that, again, Jesus isn't the boss who tells you what to do and then sends you out to do it. Okay, there's some verses that I want to look at. Um, the first one that I want you to look at is in your bulletin on page 6. It's the second verse in that list below. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Okay, I want you to look and see what it says. It says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And then here's the key. Through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. I want you to circle that phrase, through us. Through us. Because Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus left the world, ironically, is that he wanted to spread his presence throughout the entire world. Okay? Jesus could be in one place at a time. And so he leaves, he sends the Holy Spirit... Right? And then this says that he wants to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. He wants everyone to know, not just to know truth, but he wants everyone to be able to smell him. Right? This fragrance of Jesus. The fragrance of Jesus um, brings the knowledge of God. It's, and, and how is Jesus going to do this? It's through us. Is through us. This is how Jesus spreads the fragrance of him everywhere. It's through us. And so this means it's through you. And so as you share and care, you're not doing this on your own. Okay? I know some of you get nervous when you think about having to open up or having to share. But you need to realize that at that moment when you're about to share, when, you're, when you are sharing, that is Jesus working through you. That is Jesus working through you to let other people know what he is like. Because you know what Jesus is like? He's honest. He doesn't hide the truth. Right? Jesus is humble. He's willing to share both the good and the bad. I mean, Jesus doesn't have his own sin to share about, but... He's willing to share with us. I mean, he shared with the disciples even his own struggles, like his own struggles to wrestle with God's will, right? I mean, these are struggles that Jesus shared with them. And, um, and so when you do that, Jesus is doing that through you, okay? So you're not apart from God. God is there in that moment when you share, right? And Jesus, Jesus cares for everyone, right? And so when you care about someone else, when you help them understand something, when you have wisdom, when you need to sit them down in correction, 
right? You are expressing care for them, and that's Jesus through you caring for others. And so by the things that you say, the things that you do, by the attitudes that you have toward other people, this is Jesus through you discipling others, making disciples. And then look at the next verse there, 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's awesome. Right, guess what? Like, Jesus, like, it's like he doesn't knight you, but he makes you an ambassador. Jesus says, I want you to be a representative of mine. Like, talk about dignity, right? Who do you know who has any kind of authority in this world who wants you to represent them? Jesus does. Talk about dignity. Talk about hope. Like, your life is worth something. Because Jesus wants you to be one of his ambassadors. And then look what it says. God making his appeal through us. Wow. Like that God, whose desire it is to love the world, whose desire it is to reach the world and to communicate his message to the world, how is he going to appeal to people? It's through us. through us. So now, for me, this makes me think, wow, God thinks something really special about us. Um, And then I also think, wow, like, am I doing a good job at this? (laughs) Could I honestly say that when I have spoken on God's behalf, that that's how God would have said it? God wants to make his appeal through us. Man. So, I mean, this is both incredibly encouraging, but it's also sobering to me. And what's, what is truly radical in this is that this is Jesus. Like, Jesus has said, okay, my people, th- this is what I'm going to use in the world. Um, one guy said, I can't remember who this was, but one guy said, the church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. And I'm thinking, wow, well, we could have done a lot better. (laughs) Like, really, God? Like, us? And God's up there going, yes, you are my sons and my daughters. I believe in you, and I want you to grow to a place where you can do this accurately. And I have the sense that God is saying, and look, if you're not doing a good job, then just be humble. Okay? Humility can cover over a multitude of sins. Right? When you're going to appeal to each other, be humble about it. Right? When you're going to share the gospel, when you're going to share my good news with the world, like, don't be arrogant. Don't be condemning. Don't be, like, be humble. Right? If you're a screw-up, be honest about the fact that you're a screw-up. If you haven't done this well, just be honest about that. I mean, in some significant ways, this is one of the reasons we're so committed to AIDS Walk. It's because I believe as the pastor of our church that the gay and lesbian community has heard everything wrong from the church. And we need to show up and just care. 
We need to show up and listen and understand. That's why we're doing this. It's because we want to show that we care. We want to show that God cares. This is why we want you to be a part of it. And so this is Christ through us. Discipleship. And it's interesting. I think it's probably helpful just to think about discipleship as a big, broad umbrella. And when, it's, when you are having a discipleship influence on someone else, when you're helping someone else follow Jesus and they're already a Christian, that's discipleship. That's what we call discipleship. If you're trying to help somebody else follow Jesus and they're not a Christian, well, we call that evangelism. But really, it's just about sharing and caring with the people in your life, whether they're Christians or not. It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing, but with all of it, with all of it, it's just Jesus working through us. Are you humble? No? Well, go back to Jesus and let his humility fill you, right? If you feel weak in the, in the work of Christ through you, then go back to the work of Christ for you and in you, okay? That's the key to letting him work through you. I want to just give you a couple of pictures. Um, yeah, let me do that. These are both in the Gospel of John, and I love these. Because um, there's a woman, um, there's a woman in John chapter 4, and she goes to a well to get water at a time when nobody else is there because she's ashamed. Um, because she's had five husbands, and she's living with a sixth guy. And the town has ostracized her and alienated her. She's not welcome anywhere. And so she goes to get water when no one else is there, so she doesn't have to show her face. And yet she meets Jesus. She meets Jesus, and Jesus shares with her and then cares for her. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. This woman goes off amazed at her interaction with Jesus. And it says this, many Samaritans from that town where she lived believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony that he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked Jesus to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. And so here's a woman who meets Jesus and just tells other people about her interaction with Jesus. Jesus changes her life and she shares it with the rest of the people in her community. They begin to believe, they meet Jesus, and this town has changed. This is it. It's just sharing and caring. John chapter 9, there was a guy born blind. Right, and everybody assumed that either he did something wrong or his parents did something wrong that he was born blind. And Jesus says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. That's not how suffering works. You've got it all wrong. Jesus heals him. Okay? And this guy who was blind, everybody knew he was blind. He's going around, he can see, and he's talking about Jesus. Okay? And so I know one of the things that happens to me is that when I think about sharing and caring about people, when I think about bringing the subject of Jesus up, I know they're going to have questions. I know they're going to have objections. And I'm not going to know the answers to all of their objections. Right? Anybody else with me? Right? I mean, this is how we feel, right? What are we going to say? What are we going to say to them? They're going to say this. We're going to... I don't have all the answers, right? Well, here's, here's this. This is my favorite passage. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. 
The religious leaders grab this guy, they apprehend him, they arrest him, they bring him in. It's like they got him under the big lights and they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're really laying into him. And they said to him for a second time, they called him in and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. And here's what the blind man said. Well, he's not blind anymore. Here's the formerly blind man said. Here's what he says. You can memorize this and you can use this in your own lives. He says this, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. It's like, you guys got all these arguments about the Messiah and about Jesus. Is he, is he not? I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Friends, it can be as simple as that. Look, I know you have a lot of questions. You have good questions, right? I don't even know if I'm going to have all the answers to your questions, but here's something I do know for sure. This was my life before I met Jesus. And this is what he's done for me and in me since. You can say that and no one can take your testimony away from you. And if anybody says, well, that's great for you. Just keep sharing, keep caring. Because if they say that to you five times, something's going to happen. Right? Someone is, I mean, people notice. They notice. And if you share and you care about people, you don't have to know the answers because part of faith is not having all the answers. But this is what Jesus wants to do through us. And so these are two examples from the scriptures. Something happened to me powerfully last night that I thought was this unbelievable picture of what Jesus wants to do through us with each other in this church and also outside right? Because these are the relationships that we want to build in our church. This is what our life groups are for, what our small groups are during the week. You know, we encourage you all to be a part of one. The list is on page one. These are the places where we get to disciple each other, where we're learning how to share and care for each other. But last night, um, three of our kids were uh, in the junior theater, and they had a performance last night, and they had to say goodbye to um, one of the, the artistic director had been there for 17 years, okay? And so this is a woman who has been there and literally she's been pouring out her life. She has been sharing and caring for 17 years. And so they had one of the, um, one of the performers who's been there forever since I think she was three in junior theater. Um, she got up and said some words about this woman who is saying goodbye to junior theater and this is what she said. I started writing this stuff down because I thought, wait, wait, wait. This is exactly what we're trying to do in our church. Listen to this. So this is a girl who is now, I think she's probably 18. She's graduating from junior theater. And she said about this artistic director, she said, this woman, she trusted us as kids to do things that no other junior theater company trusts with kids. She said she challenged us But in challenging us, she also made us feel safe. We felt accepted by her. She gave us responsibility, like real opportunities. We felt like when we had roles that we were doing, we could collaborate with her about how to play our role. We didn't feel talked down to. We felt like she listened to us. There was a mutual respect. She made me feel like I have a voice. Like, I feel important. And she made me feel significant in her life. And I thought, man. 
That's what we're aiming for. That's what my heart is for every single one of you. There are people in your lives that you want to care for, right? That you want to open yourself up to, to build a relationship of trust. Um, people that you want to make feel safe so that they can share with you, right? So that you can challenge them, so you can collaborate with them, right? That's what discipleship is. That's what it means to share and care both with people in the church, but also people outside, because that's how we can spread the fragrance of Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us this much, for calling us to this, for giving us this great commission to make disciples. Lord, some of us are ready and eager and are already in the process of doing this. And we pray that you would fuel their, their ability. You'd fuel their passion so that their, their, their discipling would grow. And Father, then there's so many of us who are nervous, who are worried, who don't know how to do this. Lord, we pray that you would give us right now, that you would give us a vision for what it would look like for us to share and to care for people. Make it clear to us what it would look like for us to follow you in making disciples. We are committed to you. We love you. And we want to do this. Thank you that we don't do this alone, but that you do it through us. And we pray too, Jesus, that for those who are here and they haven't yet begun to follow you, would you please reach and touch them this morning? Help them to know that you love them, that you are with them. And give them a sense of who you are so that they would trust you with their lives and commit to following you. Lord, all of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.